0: The following episode of the Movie Club podcast can and will contain spoilers. Please be aware of this before you listen. Thank you. Welcome to the Movie Club Podcast, episode number 19. This is the uh, irregular podcast where we pick two movies, watch them, and then get together and discuss. And uh, this time around, we've got two great animated movies to talk about, Grave of the Fireflies and Ralph Bakshi's Wizards. Uh, So we're just going to jump right into it and introduce all the players involved, starting with myself. I'm Sean from FilmJunk.com.
1: I am Jay from filmjunk.com and the documentary blog.
2: Hello, I'm Andrew James from row3.com. I'm Matt from wherethelongtailends.com.
3: I'm
4: Kurt from row3.com and twitchfilm.net.
5: I'm Anthony, Justice College student with lots of spare time. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: So, uh, yes, our very first listener contributor to the podcast and. Uh, it's going to be good to get some uh, some outside input on this one. So I understand, Anthony, you're a big anime fan, is that right?
5: Uh, pretty much.
0: Okay, well that's definitely good to have for this particular episode. Um, I guess we're going to kick things off with uh, Grave of the Fireflies, which is written and directed by uh, Isao Takahata. And, uh, of course, it's a Studio Ghibli production. So, um, now I think pretty sure i was the one who nominated this one at some point um because i was kind of thinking about genres we had done previously on the movie club podcast and i kind of thought we hadn't really done animation before and this is kind of from my understanding this is my first time watching it but i had always heard that this was kind of you know the the animated masterpiece that's out there and um you know just a really moving animated film and uh, so, yeah, that's kind of why I thought it might be good to talk about. And of course, there's always the the debate over anime. I know some of us aren't the biggest anime fans, and some of us are. Um, but um, yeah, I guess I can start by just saying that you know, as a first time watch, I I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, you know, I'm I'm kind of uh, hit or miss when it comes to anime. Like some stuff I'm into, some stuff I'm not. This one. Uh, to me, it it wasn't even aside from the fact that it's set in Japan, wasn't even really in my head that it's an anime film. You know, like it's just first and foremost a human drama. I think, and uh, yeah, I thought it was great. Um, I'll throw it over to you, Jay. First impressions of uh, Grave of the Fireflies.
1: Um, well, I'm not an anime fan, and I I, I don't know. I the the movie's not. For me, it, it I didn't like it. I, I thought it was kind of boring. I, I can't stand anime. <laughs> even even the fact that this is supposed to be one of the gateway anime films—that's you know not um, as crazy. There's there's not as as much you know.
0: Well, it's not it's not fantasy or sci-fi. I mean, it's based in real events, right.
1: so. Um, yeah, I, I I just, I can't, uh, it's, it must be some sort of genetic defect (laughs) that I have where I just can't, uh, get into anime and I can't feel emotion for a cartoon character. Okay, well, that's actually, that's not entirely true. Yeah, you can't Uh, feel emotion No, the (laughs) distinction is that I, I think... A, a cart a clear cartoon character in a cartoon world faced with challenges is more uh powerful to me than something that's supposed to be representing reality in the animated form okay Well, and i it didn't do it for me
0: i have a feeling that's a debate we're going to come back to but um We'll continue along. Kurt, what uh, were your thoughts? And was this your first time watching it? I'm assuming not.
4: No, I, I, I enjoy this movie. It's a movie I come back to a lot. Well, one, because it's not as um, uh, busy as a lot of uh, animated films, and that includes a lot of other Studio Ghibli films. Uh, I find this one to be very quiet and, and very... Um, I mean, it's very beautiful. It's a movie I... I don't know if enjoy is the right word. I, I still find it incredibly sad and, 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 and emotional and, and heartfelt. And, uh, yeah, if you want to get a bunch of uh, hardcore anime people in tears, this is, this is the movie that will do it.
0: Okay. Um, Andrew?
2: Yep. Um, first time view for me as well. And probably anybody that listens to Row 3 knows I'm not a big fan of anime either. Um one thing I can say is if anybody's listening to this and hasn't actually seen the film yet do yourself a favor and make sure you watch the Japanese um the original audio not the English overdub I watched the first half um in English because with the I think it's uh Princess Mononoke um I'm not a big fan of that movie either, but it got better when I switched over to the English because lots of big names and they do a pretty good job with it. And here, the English overdub is brutal. It's it's really bad and really jarring, and it's it was almost laughable at least to me. So I switched over to the Japanese about halfway, and I don't know if if that was completely what um, if this had every, any everything to do with it or nothing to do with it, whatever. But I seem to like the second half a lot better, but. Uh, I, you know, I kind of feel like Jay. Like, I feel like I have this defect because I was looking for um, online today. I was looking for a bad review of this movie, and I couldn't find one. Like, I literally, I was having trouble finding anybody saying a bad word about it, except for some idiots on IMDb. But um, so I feel like w- I don't understand why I don't really feel too emotional about it either. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't like this style, and it just doesn't. It doesn't impact me, so we can come back to that. I've got some theories, but I I didn't not like the movie. I just didn't really like it that much. It didn't impact me at all emotionally. I just kind of was like, "Yeah, there's some things to like about it, and some things that were just." I was pretty indifferent towards.
0: Okay, Uh, just to to mention about the uh, the dubbing versus the subtitled version, the version that. Jay and I watched was actually the English dubbed version, and I didn't think it was that bad. I thought some characters were bad, but I thought the the main two were okay. Oh, um, that
1: little girl! The, the girl it's was not, brutal.
2: It's yeah. like it's it was like a thirty five
6: year
4: old man, um, trying to make that.
6: Oh, <laughs>
4: it was so annoying. Well, <laughs> what was the Japanese? Like, I guess I would have well, to hear uh, the what the Japanese track is marvelous. They actually cast, and this mm-hmm. is a risky thing to do, but they cast actors that were the same ages of the characters, and the Japanese version, uh, I, I can't imagine just watching this in English. It's it, it got infinitely better when I
2: switched over to Japanese.
5: Okay. I think the American one is a bad dub since it wasn't a Disney release. Like, regularly Disney releases Ghibli films, but this is like the only one that uh, Disney hasn't released.
4: Yeah, Disney Disney never released Mononoke, but I guess technically it did because the Weinstein or the the Miramax did, but yeah, this I guess Disney just felt there was no um commercial market for this movie. It was made in Japan. It was made as a children's film and marketed and and distributed and everything as a children's film and, you know, Disney wasn't having that when they bought the rest of the um Ghibli, you know, distribution library for for video, so they left this one behind, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it would would be interesting to see how it would be received here as a children's film, but um but okay, Matt, uh thoughts? Um, I don't mind
3: anime. I I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a fan, but there are plenty of anime films that I like. Um, and I had never seen Grave of the Fireflies, and I I had heard like andrew said pretty much nothing but good things about the movie um and i'm pretty indifferent to it i mean i think it's a nice nice made you know nicely made film but i didn't really care about all the feelings and crap throughout the film <laughs> i mean it it was interesting and i thought it's a a nice take on you know on a war film but I didn't really care too much about the kids or anything like that but I mean I'm, I'm glad I watched it but I'm I'm not in, probably gonna ever watch it ever again
0: okay
5: Anthony I really like this film I'm like I'm an anime fan but I don't I do not like Miyazaki films like most of Miyazaki films for me they come like like propaganda kind of like uh Nashika and Princess Mononoke so I mean you mean always, like environmentalist sort of propaganda? Yeah, and it's like really aggressive with the scenes. Like he's not subtle at all. He's like I
3: like, would ah. totally agree with that. <laughs> with with Miyazaki. He is he doesn't have a subtle bone in his body.
5: My favorite Miyazaki film is Totoro. So I like I like it when Miyazaki is more playful than when he's like serious. But this one I really like. I, it feels No, the thing I like about this film was that, uh, like, before coming to this film, I thought the movie was about, like, the bombing of Nagasaki, or, like, during the war, but it's an after-the-war film, and I kind of like that because I usually never see, I I usually never see films that deal with the aftermath of a war, so.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I thought it was kind of interesting that, I mean, you don't usually see the story of just the average people kind of, caught in the, you know, the debris and stuff and the rubble of the war. Like, you kind of, you either see the soldiers or maybe you get, from an American point of view, you might get the families of the soldiers back home where they're safe and sound, but you don't usually get the point of view of just the civilians that are caught in the middle of everything. Um, at least not as far as World War Two is concerned, I don't think, but... Um, Uh, Yeah, that was one of the things I kind of thought was interesting about, you know, outside of it being an anime film, I just felt like this was a story I hadn't really seen before. Um, Can you guys think of other movies that are similar kind of uh, setting and characters and stuff?
1: Well, to me, the film played like, you strip away the fact that it's animated and it played like an Oscar bait, like Boy with the Striped Pajamas... Uh, life is beautiful. Uh,
0: yeah, you guess, name it. I guess "Life is Beautiful" is definitely one that comes to mind.
1: I mean, it it, it just felt really heavy handed and, and over dramatic And I mean, maybe like you said, we, uh, I, I watched the English version, and maybe that played a part of it. But um, it, it just it didn't do anything for me. I, I don't know it felt very oscar baity if and i'm not saying this film obviously it was not an oscar bait film it wasn't that that wasn't the the purpose of the film but it was that type of movie for me
0: right well i guess an interesting question maybe to talk about right off the bat is um how do you guys think you would perceive this if it was A live-action movie because i guess there is actually a live-action version has anyone seen that no okay uh, i have not either uh,
1: i would perceive it as an oscar bait film
0: (laughs) yeah well uh, i I believe the live-action version
4: is is radically different because it's framed from the point of view of the woman that takes the two children in for a brief period of time and it shows it shows how she. This is. I've only read about it. I haven't actually seen it. But it shows how she goes from sort of the matron of this one family to this sort of almost evil stepmother to these orphans. You get a bit of it in the animated film, of course, but uh, th- they radically reframe it. So, yeah, it's a live-action version of the film, but it has a completely different aims than than the animated version.
1: I'm just curious oh. what what this film is bringing to the table. Outside of the fact that it's just a, a serious story portrayed in animation
0: Well, I just said what I thought like I thought the story was something I hadn't seen before I Agree, there's not a lot of plot there. I mean it, it is more about just the relationship It's almost like the road in a way except they're not there's no journey there. They're just trying to survive uh,
1: nobody thought it was like really manipulative and I, clunky I, in I its manipulation. I did
0: there was definitely moments where it, it was... And I guess most of it from the version I watched would have been the, the young girl voice acting was definitely very kind of cloying in a, in a certain way. But um, I don't know. I thought it was kind of subtle for an animated movie. For an animated yeah. movie.
4: Well, no, yeah. I, I wouldn't say for an animated movie. I, I think it's very fascinating that um uh the Seta, the the, the the boy, um I mean you're obviously meant to sympathize with these characters. They 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 go through an incredible ordeal. They you know they he loses his mother. They, the mother, the father is never in the picture, they sort of get the runaround with the aunt, but I find it subtle in the fact that the boy chooses to leave the aunt. Like she doesn't kick him out. She's actually kind of surprised that she'll leave. I mean, the aunt's under a lot of stress and whatever. And yeah, she says some unpleasant things, but it's almost uh, an act of arrogance that the boy takes his sister and decides to go live in the swamp. And I find, again, for a movie, if it was just heavy-handed and whatever, then they would clearly make the children to be these earnest, innocent martyrs. But uh, you know, is a bit of a, you know, a, a bit of a arrogant jerk to do what he does and and, and go off on his own and not, um, you know, sort of suck it up. The fact that, yeah, you're not going to be treated like a king, you know, when you're imposing to a degree on on someone else's household. And really the mature thing to do would not have been to go off and live in the swamp. It would have been to find some sort of compromise with the other family until, you know, people found their grounding. So I, I actually find the movie to be not... Um, a straightforward, blunt, heavy-handed. I find it to be actually a quite interesting take on you know, almost like a personal you know hubris or whatever. Because uh, the characters aren't clear-cut.
1: Well, that that okay. single choice. I mean, that you you didn't find the the montage near the end of the little girl playing in the sheet and smiling and. The dissolves of her and her where they were living just really overly sentimental. Yeah,
4: yeah I, think it, I think
3: it's
1: that.
4: sentimental.
3: Well, I think part of that has to do with you know, this is based on the right, you know, the original writer's actual life, and, and he kind of wrote the story as kind of an apology to his sister because he felt it was his fault she died. Well, so I'll I'll I mean, tell you, Matt. Is, without a doubt, there is a heavy layer of you know of sentiment in this in this film. I mean, n-
1: not to yeah, not to sound is. cold, but there's a lot of death in the world, and and there's a lot of cheesy, horribly overly sentimental uh, stuff that comes out of that. Um, I, 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 I don't I think, think that's an, a good excuse.
3: I don't. It didn't connect with me, but I wouldn't say it was cheesy over or overly sentimental. I mean it could have been they could have gone a hell of a lot more over the top with it. And I and I do agree with Kurt that, you know, it's it's not exactly playing the kids as if they are these angelic creatures that have been caught into it. They they are digging as much of a hole as anything else.
1: Well it's playing the little girl as if she is. Well, well she's I mean five.
3: what is five? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the whole movie oh, my is. God, you don't have kids. Are, are
1: you are you saying that this movie is not designed to be a tearjerker, first and foremost?
4: <laughs> yeah, I, don't I don't see that it. as being a problem. Yeah, yeah,
1: well, okay, Kurt, you would definitely say that's a problem for eighty percent of the Oscar bait that comes out that is overly sentimental.
5: I mean, I don't think it's an Oscar bait because. Um. Like Saving Private Ryan, it's usually like, "Oh, America," and then like the Nazis are oh, bad. And this one, the Japanese are just as bad as the Americans.
1: <laughs> the Americans are portrayed bad in Saving Private Ryan as well,
5: but not to the extent of
1: the they way make way of poor life. choices. And people claim that that film is overly sentimental. Yeah,
5: there's there's I no mean, montages yeah, in, saying,
1: in in Saving Private Ryan that shows. You know, characters who have passed, uh, enjoying their time as when they were alive, and I mean, it just boggles my mind that this is not overly sentimental.
2: Strip away the animation. I mean, can you imagine two characters running around in a field, gathering fireflies and putting them in their in their mosquito netting and looking at them all pretty, and then they all die the next morning, and the girls digging a grave like. if
4: that, that would be – he's right. That would be pretty grating as a yeah, live but that, action But, for but you have to admit that as style uh, and, and and how you tell the story, choosing animation um, allows for a different way to appro- – I, I don't think it's fair to say um, you have to judge the film outside of it being animated or that, that – I think all the symbolism in this film, like the, 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 the fireflies and then the dropping like napalm canisters and then the fact that life is fragile and, and all the way that it um, works that, um, I think those symbols really fit together nicely. I, I, I sure they may be a bit obvious, but they're not it doesn't make them less artful. I, I, I don't think that this type of movie, you know any type of movie where you just watch someone slowly die has to be subtle or low key there's nothing wrong with it being a big melodrama i think it works because in a way it's a melodrama
5: just yeah. look at up everybody's favorite scene that's like one of the most manipulated scenes and then people still love it the up scene in the beginning i don't <laughs> which scene in the beginning the with his wife in
0: in in Pixar's. Oh Up. right, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, like I, I don't know. I'll say that like I sentimentality in a movie. I'll, sometimes it's okay. I mean, I it depends. And I think in this case, I think I let a lot more slide because it is animated. And I don't know if that's unfair or not. I mean, they made the choice. I mean, it's weird because in a way, this movie and Wizards both have kind of a cutesy art style for something to tell a story about something that's kind of a little more graphic than you'd expect. Um, like, do you guys think, never mind doing this as a live-action movie, but what if the animation style and the character designs and everything was a lot more realistic? Do you think that would change how you feel about it, or uh, does that not matter at all? Is it just because it's animated that you feel one I think the
4: animation allows for a bit of a... Um a bit of a disconnect to evaluate a movie in a different way. I mean, one movie that really goes to town playing with that is Waltz with Bashir. Uh, I mean, at the end of Waltz with Bashir, it actually flips from animation to live action to drive a couple images home, and that's quite effective. Uh, So, yeah, I, I guess in a way animation can soften things, or, or maybe the movie gets a bit more credit because it, it pushes beyond what the perceived boundaries of the types of stories you tell uh, with animation. And, but I don't begrudge the filmmakers for taking an opportunity and running with it. I, I, I do believe that this movie, it, the style is appropriate to the subject matter. And it's not entirely sentimental When, when, when the son goes to see his mother... And she's wrapped in bandages and, you know, being carted away. And there's, uh, you know, the conditions are so brutal. And there's just maggots dropping out of between the bandages because she's just been sitting in a schoolhouse at, you know, hot whatever temperatures for so long. Uh, I mean, I'd hardly call that sentimental.
0: Yeah, I think that scene is like, I'll admit, like, I probably wasn't as moved by this as I, maybe I would be in a live-action movie that's well done. I'll admit that. But there are certain scenes that still hit you, and I think that's one. I mean, that's that's certainly an image I didn't expect to see in an animated movie, and maybe that's why. But, um, like, uh, Andrew, you were saying that you had some theories maybe on why animation doesn't uh, hit home emotionally with you?
1: Here comes the conspiracy theories. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I guess I don't know about theories about why animation doesn't hit home with me because that that's a pretty broad statement. I mean, the aforementioned waltz with Bashir, um, that hit me pretty hard. Toy Story 3, even, I mean, that was, that was heavy. I was choked up and scared and all sorts of stuff.
1: Can I just oh, inter- interject for one second, and Andrew, score? just on the Toy Story yes. 3 thing? Yes. I think that's, for me, the perfect example of... The, the emotion in Toy Story 3, because it's all set within a cartoon world and you're looking at cartoon characters, clear cartoon characters being faced with a dilemma and being faced with death, and the idea of them accepting death is way more powerful in that, that environment and that setting for that medium than something like this that's just trying to retell a drama in, in cartoon agree. form
2: and when i've i've reviewed pixar films in the past where um whenever there's humans in a pixar film immediately i sort of just auto auto response like kind of tune out like i get disappointed because that's not why i watch those animated films i watch those animated films for the fantastical the monsters the cars the the superheroes you know the the fish all that stuff that's why i watch it as soon as it's real people i kind of feel like well i see this in every other movie um but what i was saying in the, in the beginning about theories on the animation is it's just for me it's this style of animation um i, I don't know when the characters don't have lips and noses it's it or nipples
6: me.
2: yeah <laughs> and the, the way they they walk around sort of feels like king kong from the 20s i it just i i I, maybe it's shallow or, or whatever. I, I just, It's never appealed to me. I, I can barely make, and this is going <coughs> to piss people off, I can barely make a distinction between this type of animation, at least the movements, um, and, and something like Pokemon. I, it doesn't look any different to me, except for the backdrops in this movie are awesome. Like I loved all the watercolor and the gorgeous um, the lake and the woods in the background and all that stuff was really neat. As soon as the characters show up and start moving around, um, like even the fireflies, they don't go across the screen smoothly. They sort of just go across herky jerky and it just it's just a personal thing. It bugs me. I don't it, throw, it takes me out of the any emotional uh response
1: I would have. I, I think cartoons are or is cartoon a kind of a negative term to say in regards to film a film like
0: this we're talking about animation
1: <laughs> <Jay>. right <laughs> yes I think it's at its best for me when it's uh providing a a different perspective on on life and the the human condition and not necessarily through humans um through other things that are are that animation is designed to capture like Something like Toy Story can say so much more about the human condition by using some toys than you would have. Then something like this, where like you don't have to tell a real life World War II story about a, a kid that slowly dies to get that perspective on on the human condition. And I'm not saying that films like this shouldn't be made. I'm saying that's why I didn't. I don't respond to it. I respond more more easily and not always but more easily to something like Toy Story 3 or Wall-E um, where you're using the 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 form to project uh, you know a different perspective of life through through different images and different objects
0: well i was just going to say that i mean it is an interesting question to say well was animation the right choice for this story and I mean, I did think about that a little bit. But then uh, the other thing that I think applies here is that this is, because it's a Japanese film, um, I'm not I'm not an expert on anime, but from what I understand, I mean, they, they make a lot more animated feature films over there because there's a market for that stuff and because, uh, for whatever reason, it, it, to make a live-action movie in Japan actually costs a lot of money, whereas, I mean, I'm not sure how much... An animated movie cost there, but it seems like they have an infrastructure in place to make more of these. Um, I don't know if Anthony has any insight on this, but uh, they just, it seems like they make a lot more human dramas in animated form in Japan, and I'm wondering if there's a good reason for that.
5: Um, yeah, I kind of agree with your statement. Also, I mean, anime, they tend to have more genres than here or better for better or for worse than America. Like, America, is usually just, like, Saturday Night Cartoons and, like, the adult one stuff. Pretty much it, and then Pixar and Disneyland. Well, in Japan, you have, like, like super niche stuff, like, for 40-year-old perverts, and then you have uh, <laughs> like, stuff for, like, 5-year-olds, and you have stuff for uh, middle school, then you have stuff for, like, 20- or 30-year-olds. So it's a bit more wide range than America, for my friends.
4: There's not a lot of uh, animated pornography made in North America, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame.
1: <sighs> well, I, I think that's why it's even, for me, even more valid to criticize this film on a drama level and to strip away the idea that, oh, because it's a cartoon, it's pushing the boundaries. Um, if this is, you know, it's it's common for uh, Japanese filmmaking to to be done through animation, then... You know, I, I don't care if it's animated. Um, if there's something in it that doesn't interest me or, or I feel is overly manipulative, then it still gets a, a, a point off.
5: But I think the problem with you, Jay, is that I think you don't like melodrama.
1: No, I do like melodrama uh, occasionally. Um, but, I mean, it, it's... I, it, with anime it's it's a lot of things it's partially it's the style partially it's the voice acting which you know in this case might be unfair um, it's what I just said with you know the idea of being more interested in in the the form of animation being used to explore other areas rather than just human stories with human characters um, but you know yeah in this case I guess the melodrama didn't do it for me um, I I There are other films that are melodramatic that I do like. Um, And I I like performances as well. I like things that aren't necessarily based in reality. Um, And maybe that's the problem for me is that this tried to be based in reality a little too much. And, you know, if you look at something like Mouse and, and the Art Spiegelman using mice and cats to, you know, retell World War II... That that's more interesting to me than if someone just did a, a graphic novel straight up with humans. I I don't know.
3: Could well, there be a disconnect that that this is? I mean, Grave of the Fireflies is made for children. Mouse is made for adults. I mean, could that be part of
4: it? That
1: it this it, it is fact that this movie is made for children.
4: Oh, well, here's, yeah, it's, here's it's, it's, a little bit a of children's. background. It's a fascinating story because Anthony brought up uh, My Neighbor Totoro earlier, and both this and My Neighbor Totoro, both Ghibli films, Miyazaki made Totoro, uh, Takahata made this one, and they were released as a double bill. And can you imagine, I I don't know how if you've all seen My Neighbor Totoro, but My Neighbor Totoro is a very um, light, whimsical, nothing heavy, uh, barely anything happens, the kids have basic fun through the entire movie. It's a real sense of wonderful and, and joy and and, and the, the, the the pleasure of being young, uh, not too much on the line uh, and, and fairly sheltered. Uh, and then this movie, of course, is just watching two children die for the whole thing. It, it would have been a very surreal double bill. And at the time, the distributors thought that Grave of the Fireflies would be the more standout film because that book uh, that Matt brought up earlier, that that it's based on is a common um, book taught in schools. Again, I don't know what grade, but they felt that, you know, the, the, the book had this catch it in the educational culture in Japan. So, you know, it would be the, um, the sort of driving thing. Now Totoro, um, well, Totoro is my daughter's favorite film. I, I don't think she's ready to, to see Grave of the Fireflies quite yet, but um, it, I, uh, I don't know of any child that doesn't like my neighbor Totoro and I think in North American sense I don't know of too many parents that would show say their six or seven year old kids a grave of the fireflies so it, 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 it was definitely marketed as a family film with young children and that is a cultural difference or maybe even a 1988 versus 2010 difference I'm not sure
3: Well, and I think even more than them, than the producers or whatever thinking Grave of the Fireflies would be the more standout film. I'm, I'm pretty sure, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that, um, Grave of the Fireflies was the one that was guaranteed to be made, and, and, and Miyazaki or whoever had to make Grave of the Fireflies to be allowed
4: to make Totoro. And I'm—I mean, I think that—that's what yeah, I even one, find more one even, one even finance the other in a one for them, one for us kind of thing. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure
3: that's the way it worked. Which I think—which I think—is even more fascinating that the heavy-handed, you know, "quote unquote" adult kind of oriented anime is the one driving the children, you know, the fluffy children's fair.
4: Yeah, which, totally the opposite <laughs> of what would go on here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, well, that's something I just find fascinating.
5: The feature almost sounds like a prank. It's like it's like showing the Goonies with the House of the Devil. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Jay is sold. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, well,
4: one thing I, I did want to talk about is as a war film, um, whether you like, think the style is appropriate or not or a thing, but I do find it interesting that Grave of the Fireflies, uh, the war is never exciting. I mean, when they're being firebombed, it's not exciting in the same way a war film often is, and it's often been cited that you cannot truly make an anti-war movie because, you know, war by its very nature is action-oriented and exciting, and I think Grave of the Fireflies is one of the very few films that manages to do that, and it is widely considered a major anti-war film because um, you don't really get the politics too much. You don't really get the fighting or the conflict or the action too much. You just get um, the consequences and not just like, you know, these poor, innocent people suffer, but these people actually make bad decisions in the context of the after war fallout. I mean, whether the aunt can't keep her, you know, sort of nice relative, you know, welcome because of the stress of feeding her family and feeding these kids when food is getting scarce, or whether the the son and uh, you know I think he's 14 or 15 uh, decides he's just going to go it alone, um, and, and and the things that he faces, uh, you just watch the. It's not really anybody's fault. It's just war creates these situations that are terrible, and I think in a way. Whether it emotionally hooks you or not, it's, it, I think it's a fairly powerful statement and a very, I think, profound way to get at anti-war. And and I don't think the melodrama in this case hurts. I mean, you don't want to not have consequence in this thing or it would completely undermine the point of the film. I, I mean, the point is to be emotionally manipulative um,
0: yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, like, every time you hear the air raid sirens in this movie, after a while, it just kind of cuts, and you don't even see the bombing or anything, and it's... Um, I think you guys are touching on why I didn't like it. <laughs> maybe, yeah. <laughs> but it is... It, I mean, yeah, it's after a while, it's almost like you forget that that's going on, and, and it's it's solely is focusing on the survival of these two people. It's not, um, not at all concerned with the war itself, I guess. Uh, which, again, is you know, a perspective that you don't see too often, but, um, yeah, that's definitely uh, an interesting way to look at it.
5: Yeah, I think
4: there's a few... I can't think of any titles off the top of my head, but I do believe that there are a few war films made with children as the protagonists, and, and they sort of wander around somewhat less aware. You're um, thinking
0: of Red Dawn...
4: Yes, absolutely, I'm
0: thinking of Red Dawn. Well, there's Empire of the Sun, which is kind of a a good comparison, I guess. Well, I'm
4: pretty sure it's Red
0: Dawn. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
4: But this one, I don't know, this one is so, you know, you know fairly early on that these children are doomed. Um, And, yeah, maybe it's not pleasant to just wait for the inevitable, but I, I think that... Waiting for the inevitable, and there being no actual solution, is an interesting way to tell the story. And the the fact that they live in this beautiful surroundings, and and they can't make their way. I mean, the movie does take a lot of time-outs to show how beautiful where they are uh, is, and that the the sort of swamp that they're living in, and and that region is is so pretty. But you know, that that certainly nature is still indifferent maybe we should just wait for uh, uh, Werner Herzog's live action remake of uh, Grave of the Fireflies I'd watch that
0: (laughs) yeah that would be interesting Um, yeah I don't know if I have uh, too much else to say about the movie Um, I don't know Anthony did you want to talk at all just about anime in general and why you're a fan or anything because um, I, I don't know, I, I could say for myself personally, like, one thing that kind of bugs me about anime films sometimes is they're just really, really hard to understand. Like, I, uh, half the time I'll watch one and I won't really know what I just watched and um, this is one that's fairly straightforward, so
5: Yeah, I like the I like the, the ones that resemble more Totoro, the slice of life one, the ones that resemble Program. I'm not a big fan of the cyberpunk anime one like Akira and Ghost in the Shell, that doesn't do oh, it to me. Oh, that sacrilegious. <laughs> hey, 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 I'm more, I'm more, I'm, I'm more, t- t- I'm spice of life, fluffy stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's cool. But
4: as feature films or as series? Because I, I, I don't know, I, maybe, um, my experience with, uh, with anime was, was far more from the series world. I, I didn't actually start watching, uh, the Ghibli and, um, the the more feature film driven stuff till um, I don't know I, I I'd seen a lot of these really long um, series stuff that you used to get well uh, it was back in the day it was on LaserDisc you'd get a bunch of LaserDiscs of these series and they used to show them at the university that I was at these long marathons of these series it was it was well after I was done university that I started you know to watch Miyazaki's feature films and 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 see that there was a A market, or or at least a a number of these. I always looked at animation as being like TV sort of product and and really long series. Um, I mean, you you saying the slice of life stuff. A lot of the TV series have that element, but I can't think of too many Japanese features that have that slice of life element. Usually, like you said, it's more the aggressively weird sci-fi kind of stuff.
5: Yeah, I'm a more big fan of the TV shows because. I grew up in Mexico, and they tended to show a lot of anime on network TV. So I didn't like the whole anime. I like anime stuff. I didn't really get into it until like a, few, like a like I don't know, like three years ago. It was mostly TV shows, anime TV shows.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, like I, you know, I grew up on Voltron and Robotech, but I don't know if that really applies to something like this. Although, you know, I do wonder if. um Like just talking about, you know, whether or not people can connect with animation emotionally. I wonder if, in some way, it's a generational thing. You know, not that I mean we're all pretty much I think the same generation, but I definitely don't think I could show something like that to like my parents and have them really, I don't know, connect to it in any way. But I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, really,
4: I I think you're wrong on that. I, I think if there's one anime, like Japanese animated film. Um, well, actually, I would say Totoro would connect to just about anyone. I, I don't, I don't know of a single person that doesn't like my neighbor Totoro. But um, awesome. yeah, it is; it, it's it's fantastic, and and it, it, it the fact that it has no plot makes it even more interesting because you you, dem- you almost never see that in in animated films. But um, I, I would show Grave of the Fireflies to anyone at any age, and I think I mean I, I mean you guys have a point; it's fairly <laughs> blunt. Um, you know, it's not like someone's going to look at it and not get it. It's relatively straightforward. Um, it's not... I find a lot of Japanese stuff is jumps all over the place and it it, it has trouble just, you know, calming down and, and, and giving a straight narrative. It It's so anxious to work so many story elements in. So the, the whole restrained approach of something like Grave of the Fireflies where it's very quiet and it spends a lot of time watching and it lingers on shots, like, probably longer than... Your average movie uh, would do it. Like there's a scene where I think um, the little girl is playing, and he uh, he's trying to distract her, so he's doing the cartwheels on the or the, the 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 flips on the bar, and that scene just holds for probably 15 seconds longer than you would expect it to, which is just sort of let you sort of soak that moment in. And I find a lot of moments in Grave of the Fireflies are a little slower and a little longer than. A, a movie movies in general and b certainly animated films
1: but aren't all those points you're making ex- like supporting <laughs> the fact that m- the majority of people wouldn't be interested
4: no I, I why you think that because a movie slows down it loses its audience i, I don't think um why
1: well, I, I think the fact just look at what the box office dictates and i think it's clear that people aren't interested in in stuff like that the general audiences porn, porn?
4: <laughs> if you say it just right i uh, know the <laughs> hentai stuff sells very well um but the yeah people over here are not interested in foreign stuff like i know a lot of uh, my uh friends colleagues have children that are about my children's age and you know they have all the Pixar stuff, and they like to show their kids. Uh, you know a lot of the classic Disney stuff, and occasionally you'll get like a non-Disney title in there, like a Don Bluth title or something uh, in there. But I will mention something like My Neighbor Totoro, which I think any kid can respond to, and they'll, they they will have never heard of it. It just it, for whatever reason, even though Disney and Pixar made a go at distributing it, people just they see that stuff and they think pokemon or they think whatever and 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 it it really is hard for that stuff to break out over there you almost have to really um you know force almost force people to you know to really sell them on it not not because they wouldn't you know not because you have to force someone to like something but it's just getting over the fact that you're going to watch an animated film from another country um seems to be Problematic, and and I mean a lot of other English-speaking countries like Australia and Britain do not seem to put out a lot of animation outside the Aardman Studio stuff, and I think people respond to Wallace and Gromit and and uh, um, I mean Chicken Run and and, and then the Ardman stuff, but again, it was properly marketed over here. It got a full sort of, you know, this is what you're going to see and so forth, and the Japanese stuff doesn't. Um, and, and all the sort of Eastern Europeans love animation, they particularly love the stop motion, that stuff never gets uh, never gets marketed over here. I guess there's just a lot of product made already over here, so they, it just isn't necessary.
1: Well, let me throw this out, and I mean, you know, back to the, the discussion of whether or not, you know, this film is overly sentimental or, or manipulative or melodramatic or whatever, um, a a film like Schindler's list, which I think gets a lot of slack for being all of those things as well. Um, how, how would you put a film like grave of the fireflies up against a film like Schindler's list?
5: It's an unfair comparison because Scare of the Fireflies is a children's movie. Well, Schindler's List is an adult
1: film. Well, the the film is dealing with adult themes.
0: Well, as it turns out, Jay, according to Wikipedia, animation historian Ernest Rister compares the film to Steven Spielberg's Schindler's List and says it is the most profoundly human animated film I've ever seen. That's unfair.
1: (laughs) See, I I personally (laughs) hate Schindler's List. I, I... okay what 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 do you hate about Schindler's list uh, that goes against what you love about grave of the fireflies
4: because um, I don't know the 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 uneasy balance between over sentimentality and flat- out violence in in Schindler's list and the sort of I don't know. I'm I'm putting
1: a check beside the grave of the fireflies for that. <laughs> no,
4: it it, it it is an interesting it is an interesting thing. Maybe the animated distance seals the deal for me for Grave of the Fireflies and allows me to process the movie in an entirely different way. I mean, as World War II uh, concentration camp style films go, I would take Polanski's The Pianist over uh, Schindler's. Le- I just I find every time Spielberg tries to, you know, frame the violence and the, the, the certainly the first half of, of Schindler's List, I, I just want to vomit. I, I just, I don't know, it's, it's too pretty or it just, it just, I can't even put my finger on why that movie sits wrong with me. I, I don't have a huge problem with uh, Saving Private Ryan, uh, although I find it to be overly sentimental as well. Um, but. Schindler's List, and then that absolute bullshit of the little girl in the red dress in Schindler's List is just completely unnecessary to overly stylize. Um, I, I don't think Grave of the Fireflies, other than it being animated, is stylized in the same way that Schindler's List is, and it... I don't know. You're right, though. It's not the easiest thing to... uh, I would really have to watch Schindler's List again uh, recently because I've only seen it twice. Um, Once in the theater and and then once at at some point afterwards on on VHS. So I I probably really should give... um, Schindler's List a rewatch to see if uh, to see if I hate it as much as I
1: did those other two times. Well, technically you haven't seen it yet because you haven't seen it on Blu-ray, right? So
5: <laughs> well, I saw it theatrically. That's got to be better than Blu-ray. Nope. <laughs> a better person to grow the fireflies. Have, have any guys seen Louis Malle's? I can't say the French title. Uh, Goodbye, children. Au revoir, les enfants. Yeah, that one.
3: No.
1: Okay.
3: <laughs> nope. Check off douchebag next to food. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry? <Yeah>. What? <laughs>
1: Kurt, go yeah. finish off a plate of freedom fries.
6: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I, I haven't seen that.
5: Yeah, thematically, the two movies, I think, play closer together than Chin of List and Great of the Fireflies.
1: Well, I, is Louis Mal's film overly sentimental and, and uh, melodramatic?
5: Yeah, and it it deals with the the two leads of children in uh Catholic boarding during World War Two in France. So yeah, it is overly sentimental, but I, I find it works like it did in uh Greater the Fireflies.
4: Well and, and I guess the difference between Schindler's List is that it focuses on someone doing something. Like there's a, a mission, there's a there, the, the, there's a goal. I mean Schindler's List is not um and and it's something that you just get in American films. I mean, American films don't like to just um, like sort of. There's not a lot of acceptance. Uh, like the American filmmaking seems like the, someone has to fight, someone has to constantly aggressively struggle. And and you know uh, you know Schindler, Oscar Schindler has that, and he's got that brutal. Um, you know, I could have saved one more. You know, this ring, blah blah blah. And and it's just so. Um, I guess I, I like the sort of, the melodramatic sadness. I guess uh, Douglas Sirk would be a filmmaker that, that, that uh, I, I, I guess he was, I don't know if Sirk himself was American, but he certainly worked his whole career in America, and he had that more, um, that less struggling tone and the more sort of um, grim acceptance or, 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 or that type of melodrama.
0: I think, too, with, like, Schindler's List and, and kind of, like, what you're saying about, I guess, just the Hollywood you is you've got good versus evil and, and that kind of thing, and it's like... In, in Grave of the Fireflies, it's not like... It's not like they're, you know, painting anyone to be bad or anything. It's just kind of like, this is the situation they're in, and they're trying to deal with it. And, like, even, like, the ant, who I guess, in a way, is kind of a villain she isn't really over the top in that sense. Like she just is trying to do what she can for her family. So, um, I, yeah, I just think it like something like Schindler's list kind of pushes a little like more buttons for those reasons, because, you know, it's definitely painting certain group out to be, you know, horrible people and certain group out to be good people. And, and
1: well, I disagree. The main character is riding the line right between the two.
0: Yeah, I guess, but I like. There are the, the th- film isn't about
1: the Nazis and the the Jews. The film is about Oscar Schindler, and he's he's the- a womanizer. He's selfish. He's but you know, of course Spielberg pulls out the redemption at the end. But he's not a a a, a black or white character.
0: Yeah, I guess, <clears throat> but I mean, just I guess there's that backdrop there. Well, Um, compare
4: again, compare the mother, say, um, in Grave of the Fireflies, sorry, the aunt in Grave of the Fireflies, with, uh, Ray Fine's character in, in Schindler's List. I mean, Ray Fine's character is clearly way more over the top. Like, I only think that the mother in Grave of the Fireflies comes across as bad because you're almost pre programmed to empathize with the children. Um, but, I mean, in a way, I don't think the mother ever does anything wrong. I mean, because the story is framed from the children, it looks like she's, you know, being vicious or maybe she took some of the food or, or maybe that. But I mean, every decision that ostracizes the children is made by the children in Grave of the Fireflies. And even if she's not, you know, completely welcoming with open arms all the time, I don't think she's she's not like a evil caricature driving them away. It's, it's, it's only through the sort of, you know, narcissism of, of, of youth that, that that causes them to feel that way. And uh, and that's why I think Grave of the Fireflies is a, is, a, is a bit more profound in the way it, certainly in the way it, it deals with children uh, than something like children, Schindler's List, which is not about children at all. I mean, children are used as emotional triggers. Like... Often they are in Spielberg films, but the but the movie's not about children per se. In in, in, in well, Schindler's you list, have so to admit that comparison. the
1: the kid in Grave of the Fireflies is used as an emotional trigger.
4: The, the younger one, I suppose.
1: And I, I in terms of comparing characters, I would say that the mother is closer to Oscar Schindler and uh, Ray Fine's character in Schindler's List would be America in Grave of the Fireflies, yeah, which is represented by B fifty two bombers dropping bombs on the innocent villagers.
4: Well that's just an indifference thing. That that's neither good nor evil. That's just there. And that's the difference. And and I also think in Schindler's list, you know, people have to like learn shit and there has to be these big lessons and, and that are over there's not that in Grave of the Fireflies.
2: I uh, if I can go Andrew. Uh, well I was gonna say um, you're sort of touching it on it here a little bit with the black and white and evil characters and whatever. I I'm not interested really in comparing it to Schindler's List. However, um, I think one of the things that I was sort of indifferent about this, why I was kind of indifferent about this film is, and I've said this before about a lot of movies, is I didn't really feel um, like there was anyone to empathize or root for. I, I guess you're supposed to, I mean, I'm not saying I wanted anybody to die or anything like that, but the, the two kids... The little girl is irrelevant. She's five. She's just kind of tagging along for the ride. The hero, I would say, is the, the boy. Um, and I don't I didn't feel a whole lot of sympathy for him. You're supposed to at the beginning. And yes, they go through a tough ordeal and his mom dies and all that is terrible. Um, but he's given chances. Um, the, the aunt, um, as despicable as she may be, and I disagree, Kurt. I think she is a cold bitch right from the get-go. Um, like, she anyway i'll come back to that but um like instead of staying there and working and um despite the fact that he's gone through hard times like he doesn't clean up the dishes he doesn't want to do any work he just kind of sits around and as a pest and then when he leaves he realizes he's screwed and instead of trying to do something about it like maybe find a job or something he resorts to looting and um I get that I like I I can put myself in his shoes and maybe that's something you can empathize with but that doesn't make him good exactly I don't feel a lot of sympathy so what I'm saying is in this whole movie there's no one for me to really root
4: for and as a as a protagonist. But Grave of the Fireflies is about pride, and, I mean, that can be actually extrapolated into a political message of, of you know, sometimes the way countries behave in war and, and, and political situations. But, I mean, the kid screws himself because of his pride, and then you actually watch him at certain points when he steals, he has to swallow his pride. And and the, just the way the movie deals with that, um, I, I find interesting. I, I do find... Um, and maybe American films, I mean, that's really broadly generalizing, but they don't generally deal with, like, pride's a given almost in, in American films, and it's not a bad thing, whereas, I mean, this film goes right to town in, in, in saying that a lot of the reasons why they suffer is, is uh, through Seta's pride or expectation, and it clearly is negative towards that, and, and you know, he almost is punished for it, As the movie goes on, and that's the nature of how the story was written. Of course, it it is a guilt trip of a guy that saw his pride only after he lost his sister. So, well, I think you could uh, argue
2: that he's pretty—he's pretty selfish. I'll let you go, Matt, but he's pretty selfish too. Like at one point, exactly, um, when he's looting. Yeah, so that makes me not empathize. Like when the bombers are going over, he actually cheers the guys bombing his city because it gives him a chance to steal shit, and he's he's starving. I, I understand that, but there's other ways to go. I, what I'm saying is I just don't, I don't completely sympathize with him. Uh, and, and I don't I, think you're supposed to. Exactly. And I, I'm saying that's a personal thing. And it just I, in movies, I want to sympathize with somebody. I want somebody that I can pull for. And there just isn't anybody for me in this movie. Go ahead, Matt.
3: Well, I guess I was going to focus on Kurt's point about pride. I think probably the reason why Grave of the Fireflies focuses on so much is that pride is is almost innate into Japanese culture I mean it's they're very you know I I, almost obsessed with saving face and making sure everything looks good and and in and and all that kind of kind of pomp and circumstance almost and it's a very very different style of culture than the United States is um, you know, you know, the United States is kind of showy and look at me kind of thing. But I, I mean, it's not one of
4: protocol the th- driven.
3: Yeah. And, and, and in, the, in Japan, it is. It's very much you must be saved, find a way to save face at every single time because it's, you know, you can't lose that sort of pride in who you are. And, and I think that's why it hammers away at pride so much, because I, I think, the, you know, the writer behind this really believed that, you know, they hammer away at the military, that, you know, as the military's pride and what they were, that kind of dragged the country into war. And that's kind of a theme that runs throughout a lot of Japanese filmmaking.
0: I think, too, that it maybe is a reason why, you know, a North American watching this movie maybe has trouble identifying with the hero because I think, you know, for us, we maybe see him making a bad decision and then say, well, okay, why don't you just go back to your aunts, you know, like, say you're sorry and do it but like i think in japan like the whole honor thing like it i think it may be for them it's you know I, I i'm speculating here but maybe it just makes a little more sense for them that he would never go back
1: but you know all of these themes and you know comparison comparing what the japanese cinema does versus american cinema and and the fact that you know they're they're taking more risks and having characters that aren't necessarily likable or heroes or whatever in the pride and blah blah blah, for me is undercut by the fact that they just drop the ball by trying to make the ending way too sentimental. I mean, it, it, that's all fine, but like any other movie, like Schindler's List, with Oscar saying I could have saved one more the the i could have saved one more in grave of the fireflies is the montage of the little girl dancing around her home and the you know shot of the two of them sitting on the hill looking at the the cityscape i mean there's no changing the fact that that is just cheesy in my opinion and overly sentimental and she is is she is kind of uh portrayed as this martyr and it it didn't do it for me. I mean, if you're going to put maggots coming out of a dead body's face for shock value, put the maggots coming out of the five-year-old's face, leave it at that. Like show the consequence that this kid is dealing with rather than letting the audience have their cake and eat it too, by ending on this magical uh, memory of the, of this child.
4: Well, I guess it, it is a, a, a bit of a case of having its cake and eating it, too. The, the, the little girl, uh, Suzuko, isn't always portrayed as this perfectly innocent. I mean, she's a needy child through much of the movie, but by the time, yeah, I guess she does die the sort of, you know, weak martyr. But, I mean, what else? I, I, I just imagine that that's not unreasonable if a little child was slowly dying of starvation. Um You know, and not have, I've seen my own children with extreme fevers and they're generally not, you know, cantankerous patients. They just sit there and suffer and, uh, and I don't think that's unrealistic.
1: Well, I mean, I, I'm not talking, like, about, I the I'm, I'm talking the,
4: about the suffering. I'm talking about the in and out, sentimental. You know, let's show her as a ghost uh, or, or whatever. But I think that's trying to underscore the fragility of life, and the, that's the whole metaphor with the fireflies: is that you, you know, you have only so much time. And yeah, you maybe make the argument that that's a cliche statement, but uh, I think I think it handles it fairly well.
1: I, I disagree. If this was, and I like keep coming back to saying if this was a live-action film, maybe it's unfair, but if this was a live-action film, that scene would have been... like It it just barely gets away with it being animated. If it were live-action, that would be like roll your eyes and... (laughs) I I don't know. It it just is ridiculous to me. I mean, that trumps Spielberg's red coat or anything of the sort.
5: I think you're making the mistake of comparing animation and film. They're like different genres. Like you don't well, that that's
1: the problem history. of Grave of the Fireflies for trying to tell a real story through animation. I mean, it, it, they're opening themselves up to that comparison.
5: But it includes a lot of animation stuff, like the Firefly scene. So it's not really overly realistic.
1: i th- I thought the point of it was to be overly realistic.
0: Yeah, but I mean, there are surreal sequences in it well there's surreal yeah, sequences I, I in I
4: in on this one I, I think that the movie is aiming i mean it's got a bit of magical realism in there but it's very restrained in that it it wants to be a grounded real movie for the entire time
0: yeah but there, i mean all me the and kurt were... agree <laughs> 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 maybe we should I mean, just end I mean, right here <laughs> <laughs> No, I was just going to say, like, the scenes where, you know, they're playing together and stuff like that, and they're kind of in their own little world. I, su- I think those are kind of surreal, timeless moments that aren't, you know, rooted to the reality of the situation. And but you see that
1: in live-action filmmaking as well. Yeah. I mean, it's not something that's just in animation, and I I just think that it isn't totally unfair to compare this film. What else are you going to compare it to? Pokemon? I mean, sure. W- if if that's the case, then Grave of the Fireflies is a uh, standalone, untouchable film. It-
0: <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's what we're here to debate, and that's kind of one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about an animated movie that's kind of trying something a little more serious. And uh, you know, so, for some people it works, some people it doesn't. I, I you know, I just think that if you're dealing well, with an animated medium and you indulge in some sort of surreal fantastical moments, even though this movie doesn't have many of them, uh, I think it suits it.
4: Waltz with Bashir is probably the closest um, it comes, but uh, Waltz with Bashir is, is much more a you know, sort of intellectual inquiry rather than a sentimental. So, But it, it is also an, a, a fairly ambitious, highly adult theme. I mean, it's an animated documentary uh, in its own way. Um,
1: okay, well, let so me let me ask this. Did anyone here have any problems with the ending of toy story three? The, the Andy playing with the toys and
3: can I say yes, just to piss you off.
1: I I am agreeing. (laughs) So (laughs) thanks Matt for adding to my point. Um, I mean, it's, it reminds me of that. Like I think toy story three would have been a much stronger ending if they didn't add that whole, Andy reconnecting with his toys montage, Um, that to me was the moment where that film felt overly sentimental. And and I have no problem criticizing that film of that, just like I have no problem criticizing this film.
3: Do you really think the point of that scene was Andy reconnecting with his toys?
1: There are many points to that scene, I'm sure. But the point for me is that it just was overly sentimental.
4: I thought it was more of a moving on, but... Yeah, I, it like I find a...
3: handing off to the baton. Well, of and course. I, I He's giving his to...
1: toys to a kid. I, I understand Matt Gumble, but... Do you, do you understand it? Because you seem to think it's about
3: Andy playing with his toys. And I well, think by it... toys, you mean penis.
1: Andy <laughs> plays... Andy plays with his toys in the scene with a little girl. He's giving the toys to the girl. <laughs> they play, a mon- play it in a montage. There's dissolves. There's some nice Randy Newman music. <laughs> I love L.A. Playing over top. And I, I understand what the point of the scene is. But to me, it, it just felt overly sentimental.
4: <clears throat> I can't get past Gumble's innuendo that he started, and then listening to that speech and that contest. But I think you're more right when you say, Jay, that every time Randy Newman comes on, that Toy Story gets bombastically sentimental. If there's one thing, I I don't mind the song, and it's probably the worst offender, but for whatever reason, it works in the second one. But in the first and the third one, every time Randy Newman kicks in, the Toy Story movies are a little lesser, in my opinion. I, I don't like it when the when they get overly musically montage or numiny or whatever the...
1: And that's within the, the, the context of a film like Toy Story. Take that and put it into a, a film like Grave of the Fireflies that's going for this realism, and it stands out to me even more.
0: Well, let's talk about the music for a minute, because I thought the music was... like. There's a lot of anime films that have ridiculously sentimental, over-the-top music, and I thought for the most part this movie played it pretty subtle again agree disagree
1: i suppose because i don't remember anything about the music so (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah compared
4: to the scores in um the miyazaki films uh definitely the grave of the fireflies is i i i i I think the music is fairly subtle like it doesn't it hones in or hammers in its sentimental points
1: with its images more than its soundtrack although it is weepy violin heavy
0: a lot of strings yeah (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> no no choirs, though. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, no, like, East Indian woman going
6: ay, 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 ay,
1: over the death scene. <laughs> Save that for the Ridley Scott piece. Yes.
6: <laughs>
4: <laughs> All right. I don't, who, I don't even know who's laughing. Uh, I don't laugh know. <laughs>
2: What? I would never laugh at anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's just cultural negativity. <laughs> well, <okay. laughs> yeah, cultural just, negativity. Because
4: <laughs> we're way off out there. Did, do you like, Jay, do you like or dislike the opening theme for Battlestar Galactica? Uh,
1: I, I'm really on the fence with that one. <laughs> it's is a, it's, that's it's what it is.
4: I, 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 yeah <laughs> all of them and
0: better yet enterprise i oh,
1: I actually God. prefer the enterprise theme to, <laughs> to the Battlestar one, but I mean the yeah Battlestar actually it but I mean again, like Battlestar is is there's something that's melodramatic that I actually really like um and it's going for a reality within a a genre that's generally not played realistically. But yeah, every once in a while, the music is just um, even when they start bringing in the Celtic stuff, it's like it. I get for me, it's just because it's too derivative, it's too familiar, and lazy. it yeah, it just it's it's yeah, it's lazy. I mean, they're they're just channeling Braveheart and they're channeling Ridley Scott films, and even though I think the Celtic thing might have some sort of is there a connection in Battlestar to that Celtic, no. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it, that that's uh I I would always skip past the the uh opening title thing.
0: <clears throat> okay, so are we uh wrapping up our discussion on Grave of the Fireflies? Any other thoughts? Final thoughts?
2: My final thought is that uh fi- unless there's some Japanese version of a firefly that I don't know about, uh Fireflies do not are not perpetually lit up like they are in this movie. It's completely unrealistic. <laughs> oh, and if you mash them in your hand, they don't die. They actually
4: light up uh, more. Uh, there Interesting. You go. Interesting. I'm not even going to rise to that bait. I'm just <laughs> going to completely ignore. I, I I find this movie. I've seen it, it probably five or six times, and and I don't think it has any I'm, way diminished emotionally for me I, it has an emotional impact before i had kids it has an emotional impact now that i have kids uh, it, i i do find that the melodrama and the sentimentality in this film seem to be earned because it's not a um spielberg uh, film it's not a spielberg film thank you <laughs> you understand that i was
2: saying that tongue-in-cheek
4: right oh absolutely and i okay. still wasn't
2: rising to it okay <laughs> Wait, didn't you guys, um, when you were kids, get the Firefly and then smash it and then put it on your face and you would walk around with the glowing war paint? No? That,
1: that sounds people? like something a serial killer <laughs> would do.
2: Yeah, did did you butcher cats? Awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> uh, and we threw them on <laughs> cows, yes. Uh, yeah, that's how,
4: that, that was the inspiration behind Avatar, I believe. <laughs> Correct.
0: <laughs> All right, so... Is that it? Is uh, everyone's... That it? Anthony, Anthony? any...
5: Great, although probably wouldn't be the one I recommend for people to watch. I mean, people haven't seen Ghibli films. I'd probably recommend to bear to over this one first.
1: I will say that I I plan to watch my neighbor Totoro at some point.
4: It'll be it, it'll you'll have a better experience than you did with Ponyo.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I I didn't. I think I was a little overly harsh on Ponyo. Maybe because Is I it? didn't I didn't <laughs> expect it to be as geared towards a, a uh eight years. month year old <laughs> eight <laughs> month year old. Um so um but yeah I, I Totoro I, I'm interested in.
0: Okay. So um moving on to our second selection of the night, uh, Ralph Bakshi's Wizards. Who does anybody know who actually initially suggested this one? It was all me. Gamble, yep. Okay, so you're a big oh, cool. fan of this. Why don't you uh, set it yep. up for us?
3: I, I am a huge Ralph Baxi fan. Um, in fact, I know we've talked about him at least once on the Cinecast. Um, but, uh, yeah, I probably watched this movie when the first time when I was, I don't know, 10 or something like that. And absolutely adored it. I thought it was about the coolest coolest fucking movie i'd ever seen especially out of an animated film and from there i watched all sorts of others of his movies um fire and ice coonskin fritz the cat and you know and i i just i can totally understand why people might not like his films they're very kind of out there and and kind and odd and they have this weird mix of oddly goofy and serious and but they just completely connect with me and I think they're just fantastic. And wi- Wizards is just a... You know, I watched it at a time when I'm watching a crap ton of Disney films and all sorts of other stuff, and Wizards is such a totally different style of of animated film that I just was not used to that it, it really resonated with me.
0: Okay, well, I can say that uh, this is my first time seeing it. Um, I've only seen i've seen the lord of the rings animated and i think that might be it as far as back stuff i haven't even seen cool world believe it or not Uh, i don't need to it's a pile of shit (laughs) that's what i hear but um (laughs) but uh yeah so i mean the thing with this is that i kind of knew what i was getting into and i mean the style you know there's a lot of stuff that is similar to the uh to the lord of the rings animated movie which came after this i believe is that right yeah um,
3: yeah, Wizards was, I believe, his third... or No, third or fourth film. Fourth.
0: Okay. So, um, but yeah, it was, like, I enjoyed it. It's it's a little out there. It feels like a product of his time in a lot of ways. It kind of reminds me of, like... Like, my dad was a big fantasy uh, reader, and I just kind of remember him being into... I don't know if he ever saw this movie, but I kind of remember him being into a lot of this kind of stuff when I was a kid, and, and it always just kind of seemed weird and, like... I don't know looking back, it looks it just seems like hippie stuff in some ways, like I think a lot of the fantasy stuff from like the seventies kind of comes from that culture um but watching it now i mean it's uh it's still kind of has something that you don't see very much nowadays that's for sure so um would that be Nazi propaganda films? <laughs> well, that's part of it. It would be uh. a
4: random hooker John moment right in the middle of the film where the main character just walks through it. But, um, but uh, my experience with uh, with wizards was I saw it when I was very young. Um, I don't know if it was on VHS when I was five or six. And I'll tell you, watch. And I hadn't. I re- I always remembered the um, uh, Necron ninety nine on his Peace. you know yeah. beastie or whatever. That image I always remembered and i tell you watching it 2 weeks ago i was like i did not see that movie when i was a kid i don't remember i didn't remember watching it as a kid and having any nazi or you know i probably wasn't when i watched it even aware of any of that so it was just kind of there and uh, watching it this movie uh, again now it might i might as well have been watching it for the first time um but i i don't know i i like back she's sort of everything thrown at the wall sort of this style that style you know we don't have the budget we just make it work just do it just make it work i mean it's evident in a lot of his films um but i couldn't always rationalize the goofy and the plot and and this i mean wizards is a mess it's a fun mess but it's a mess
1: um yeah i actually i agree i wasn't a huge fan of, of wizards. I like uh, I like the Lord of the Rings animated film. I like Fire and Ice. Um, those are the other two that I've seen, and I I really enjoy his rotoscoping. Um, I think it's an interesting look, and there's a I think there's a little bit of that in here, but for the most part, it's just straight animation and the um, the other technique he uses, which is basically just like some weird composite work, but The plot to me was just like there. I just zoned out so many times, and it was like I have no clue what's going on. I know there's a a good wizard and a bad wizard, and there's someone with massive breasts, and (laughs) um, it it, it was just all over the place. And the style of animation didn't totally do it for me. I love the image on the poster, but it never really seem to capture that for me like even that same character within the film didn't come across as strong to me uh as the poster image
0: i was definitely surprised how cartoony it actually is like i kind of expected it to be a little bit more i mean i guess it is a kid's film is that right it It is a kid's
4: film (laughs) but the director intent was to make a kid's film absolutely
1: it's one of those things where it's riding on that whole um like Cool World, and I guess like all of Bakshi's work, the shock of handling mature themes within the context of an animated film, but different than Grave of the Firefly, is doing it with actual cartoon characters, um, sort of like a meet-the-feebles sort of thing. And and for me, that whole conceit, it really loses steam fast for me. And um, I felt that way about Wizards, and and... It, I, I, I don't know. It just didn't totally do it for me. The, I thought the voice acting was pretty brutal as well.
2: Um, I Just since you brought it up, I, this is the first time I watched for me. Um, re- in regards to the voice acting, I thought it was... I I didn't think it was brutal, but it was really odd. Um, like I, I felt like... Um, I, it was like Peter Col- um, Columbo uh, was doing the voice of the the good wizard um and some of the other characters like there's that little elf guy with the sword and whatever voice they put over these characters was completely did not fit with uh a how the character looks and b what the character is doing Mm -hmm. like the, the character on screen visually is all excited and maybe running around and the 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 voiceover is we should go over to the mountain over there and, uh, we get yeah, that <laughs> evil guy. And,
1: and it doesn't I, it seem like sad. a choice. It doesn't seem like a creative choice. It just seems like lazy. Or it, drugs? it just happened. Maybe it's just a time thing, or I, I don't it, know. But
3: yeah, it's kind of more a product of the time. But, like, voice acting was not really much of an art form whatsoever. I mean, a lot of these people. Did, would never even see what they were acting against or what was going on. And so
1: that's what it feels I, like. It feels like yeah. someone in a, a booth and then a director trying to keep it all consistent and failing, you know, like like an actor that has to shoot an emotional scene across two days and then trying to remember where they're at when, you know, they're, they're shooting a scene that takes place Seventy minutes into the film first, and they have to react to something that happened in the beginning of the film, and that consistency is tough to maintain uh, it It just feels inconsistent in that way
2: i wouldn't say um, though that I necessarily didn't like that; I just thought it was odd, and i actually i don't know I, I was kind of torn I kind of thought it was interesting, but also sort of jarring at the same time i i didn't hate it, I just thought it was kind of weird like most of the rest of the movie. Uh,
5: Anthony? Yeah, in the 90s, like 93, when I was like 3 or 4, I, I saw this film a couple of times. It broadcasted a lot in uh, American, uh, Mexican television. But I didn't really remember much of it. I only remember like the image, like the red robot. Like, I really remember that. And I forgot the title of the film. So it wasn't like, until like, a couple of years ago that I realized, oh, it's a Wizard upon watching it now it's a complete mess it's not even a fun mess where to begin uh... i don't even think it's a children's how is this a children's film? the fairy, they show (laughs) the fairy it doesn't know if it wants to be an adult film or wants to be a children's film it doesn't do either one right it's just a boring mess it's like it's like watching a purple shit, you know?
1: It's unique. <laughs> <laughs> I've, actually, I've witnessed that, actually, recently.
4: <laughs> uh, I actually like the mix of um, where you can't put your finger on whether it's an adult or a child. I think that's Bakshi's biggest strength. And I, I think the animation maybe suffers from not you know, from being a little bit sort of simple at times when I wish, because the movie is dealing with some complicated things and I don't like when it's simplified. I, I, I'm like, Jay, I prefer the rotoscope look when he when he brings that in. But I like the sexuality in the movie. I, I liked the fact that they just threw this character in um, and that it's a children's film. And, and to be honest... I, I believe when a children's watching this movie, or from my own experience of watching it as a kid, I don't see the sexuality when I when I watch it. So maybe I'm vaguely aware of it, but it's not really. It's not really there. So why not throw that in, and and then it's sort of a family film. I mean, everyone in the family gets a little something, a little bit different out of the movie, and you know maybe the kids will attach onto the elf character or the the quest or or whatever, and and the adults can look at it as this sort of. You know, here is, you know, the sort of shock and awe of the of the Nazi footage being broadcast over um, the culture, or the self perpetuating war. Uh, you know, constantly fighting over the same things, and you try and start fresh, but the same the, the baggage comes back in and and starts it up. I think it's very telling that the wizard ends the war by basically doing the most within the framework of the movie, the most morally reprehensible thing. He he doesn't use, like, the fairies or the magic or anything. He just whips out a gun and blows the guy away with his own technology. And, and uh, um, in a way, I think that 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 says something about the failure of, of being able to resolve things is that it just comes down to the damn end, justifies the means, which I don't think is you know, if you really want to take the moral high ground, that's, that's not fair. And I uh, think the movie doesn't really sweat it too much, but that's what I got out of it watching it.
5: Kurt, will you let your children watch this film?
4: Yeah, I would totally let my kids watch this one. I, I would be more inclined to let my kids watch something like uh, Wizards um, than I would uh, Grave of the Fireflies. Because I know in, in Wizards, the kids would just take in the spectacle... Of Wizards, whereas Grave of the Fireflies, you know, every time a, a scene is lingered on and characters die slowly or or deal with something slowly, the kids would be um would be very um affected by it. Whereas Wizards is is a constant um it's 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 sort of a bit of an ADHD um or add whatever the thing is um but it's just more you don't really have time to think about i think as a child you wouldn't have time to think about a lot of things and <coughs> wizards because it's just on to the next thing I, I found wizards many times played like a collection of sketches rather i than felt
1: that too it was it wasn't yeah. very cohesive
3: yeah and i i would agree with that it do, it definitely feels like that i mean they're the whole thing about the Fritz dying—I mean, that is a blatant sketch that they included in there, simply so Bakshi she could take a shot at Robert Crumb. I mean, that's all that It w- had no other purpose to the film other than that. It just to be a, a cheap shot, um, and I think that you know that's just kind of how Bakshi she is. He he'll he'll come up with an idea, decide he likes it, and just throw it in there, and not—he doesn't really care too much to have a very coherent linear plot. That I mean when it comes down to it back is an underground artist that you know somehow made a hundred million dollar film with you know when he had a a cat that liked to fuck people and 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 from there he was able to turn that into a a career making these really weird you know animated films that for the most part were geared towards kids and I, I you know I just find it very fascinating that he was kind of able to pull it off and for the most part, allowed a lot of free reign to just do whatever the hell he wanted to do.
4: Did anyone watch the uh, extras on the DVD?
2: I started watching the interview with Bakshi, and um, he didn't specifically talk too much about Wizards. He more talked about his career and how he went to school and stuff. I kind of got bored with it. I didn't, well, I didn't watch anything else.
4: If you stick it out, he goes into... Uh, like later on, when he really is talking about wizards, and he, and he's really talking about what Matt said. He, he's far, he doesn't want it, he hates movies that, 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 that are very controlled and meticulous about controlling tone and style, and everything has to, to look exactly the same. Now, you could argue maybe that's a bit of rationalization. I don't, I, I wouldn't necessarily buy that argument, but he certainly is anti Disney in the sense that, you know, Disney, everything, all the animators have to be in the same style and everything has to be very, you know, coherent and consistent and everything. And his is much more of the hippie just, just do whatever feels right and, and just go with it and don't sweat it if it doesn't all line up. And I, I, I find part of that liberating. Um, but yeah, at the same time, there are scenes that felt like, you know, when you got right down to it, you know, maybe they should have just. like there's this almost like it's almost like a Shakespeare aside where you have two guards just sort of hamming it up in between things and it just feels like it draws out the movie and it doesn't really add to much
5: this film should have been a short film the style would have been better suited for a short film because as it is moments are impressive visually but as a whole it just you never feel like you get like sense of space or geography in the world and it feels it feels like a mess it's like, like let me use an analogy that jay Shio will understand it's like getting pudding like you know you can put you can you can change the cheese change the gravy it'll still taste sort of good but once you start putting bacon lettuce tomato
1: totally you know, agree <laughs>
5: <laughs> It just just doesn't taste
0: good anymore. I mean, I think the thing with Bakshi's work is it kind of seems like he... I mean, a lot of it seems like it it is kind of patched together, but I think part of that is how these movies are produced. Like, I mean, the Lord of the Rings movie that followed this, he didn't even get to finish it, right? So, I mean, it it Uh, really feels like he's struggling to even get it all together, and in that sense...
3: Technically, with the Lord of the Rings film... It was part one of two, and he always knew it was part one of two. It was the studio that decided to market a half, you know, the half of a story as the completed story, because um, he had a pretty sizable budget. I mean, even Wizards had was a was a, had a million dollar budget, which is huge for an animated film in the seventies, and, and he was given plenty of money. It's just he's a very he has a very chaotic style, and it's just how he makes things because he likes he likes you know he likes noise in his films that's what he wants he wants and, it and, to be jarring and he wants it to be something you know he fucking loathes disney and and just how streamlined it is he wants something that's going to draw people out of their comfort zone
4: and and don't get me wrong i mean wizards was very successful commercially I, yeah it, it made it, it made plenty of money especially for a movie that opened something like two months before Star Wars opened. Um, so it had to make all that money before everyone just became obsessed with, with the monster blockbuster. Um, but but it, it did make a lot of money, and and it, and it certainly has earned a place. I, I think people in my generation that saw it when it was relatively new as kids um, remember it fondly. So it it, it it stood out enough that it made an enough of an impression visually. I won't say narratively or story or whatever, but the images, um, you know, some of them some of them burdened your brain and I think Avatar, the well actually both the wizards as images, the way the, the characters are drawn and the way they act are are excellent and really fun to watch. I mean him smoking a cigar with his foot and talking like he needs a you know, a glass of scotch and like Andrew said, sounding like Peter Falk. I mean, that's not exactly following the rules of how you generally run an animated it ain't Gandalf you know
1: but yeah I mean that's the sort of stuff when I was saying before like something like Fritz the cat where you take a cat and you make him go against everything you would expect a a talking cat to be like and it's the same thing with this stuff just subverting you know the idea of the wizard and everything but but on the other hand I I mean, maybe it's just because he did Lord of the Rings after this, but it there it felt a lot like the Lord of the Rings to me, I'm visually as well. Like, um, there are obvious comparisons, and, and some comparisons that are more just because they're both fantasy films. But I can see how someone would look at Wizards and say, "Oh, he should do a," I will give him money to do a animated Lord of the Rings film. But I mean, the one thing that I think bothered me the most was, which also felt like The Lord of the Rings, was all of the sort of narration, uh, just getting all this exposition and plot out there with these still drawings. Um, it just felt like, you know, you're, you're about to watch an animated film and the first five minutes is, are still drawings it felt to me just a little disappointing and it, it happens multiple times in the film that you suddenly cut to these still drawings with this this narrator moving things along for you and and you know it i don't know i wasn't a big fan of that
2: um, as much as i don't really care for comics i actually that was some of the stuff i liked um, you guys are right this movie's a total mess but the bits that work really work like I think there's some like five star material in here Um, and a lot of it is the artfulness of it some of all that that primitive rotoscoping and stuff but um, those still drawings are are fucking awesome well the
1: drawings are great but uh, I'm sitting down for an animated film
2: (laughs) yeah but um, compared to all the sort of He-Man-esque type Hanna-Barbera bits like you all of a sudden you see this stuff, and I'm back into it again. I'm like, oh, okay, something interesting to look at again. Yeah, that opening plays, scene. It's
4: far and few between. It plays like friggin' Lajitay, and I love the the the, the woman that like narrates. Um, <laughs> that narrates over that. Her, it's kind of monotone, but off. And and I I just loved. Like, I actually some of my favorite parts were the. Non animated, like the still stuff. I, I really, I really like that. Even though, even if I thought like some of the, like what she was actually saying was rather you know trite, and 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 you know the actual sort of setting up the plot, and none of it makes any sense, and whatever. But I just like the feel I had of her narrating over the the still images, and and while I wouldn't want a whole movie of it, I, I don't want to see Ralph Bakshi's Lagite but I. I did like those segments, and because he's got so many other things thrown in there, like the the, the rotoscoping. I think there's actually just shots from Patton, like yep. the tanks. It's not even animated. Like he's just in there, um, and that sort of we're just gonna. It's like a collage, and and very few filmmakers make films. With collage, the only other filmmaker I can think of would be uh, Corey Maccabee, the American astronaut Stingray Sam. He, his films have a very collage-heavy element, and it also does huge chunks of the movie with um, someone narrating over still frames to sort of patch the film together. In a normal movie, I think that would be a problem, but in a in a Ralph Bakshi movie, it, it just seems like that's part and parcel to how he makes a movie.
2: That whole, yeah, that, that the first battle, like the you mentioned the shock and awe, like the blitzkrieg, um, instead of seeing animated missiles and stuff, you just get sort of a, a, a shot of Adolf Hitler preaching and then the, the stunned look of the, the rebels or the heroes or whatever, the little elf guys, um, and then just loads of tanks coming at the screen. You don't actually see uh, until later, like all the bloodshed and the killing. You just... Um, as an adult and knowing history you just you know what that means what that base is you just see a flag with a swastika in the background Um, I thought that was way cool uh, way more powerful than you know just seeing a bunch of animated elves blowing up or animated smoke and fire and stuff like I I thought that was really creative and cool and I I can't think of anything like that
1: I don't know that that stuff didn't really do it for me I I The Hitler stuff just seems, you know, uh, it's right up there with like the Christ pose to me. It it just felt really obvious. Um, I I didn't have a huge problem with it, but it was the way it was it was handled in the film, um, just was very uh, out there, and it it just you know you you start talking about metaphors and ideas and stuff, and I mean this is not new stuff this is not you know groundbreaking stuff
0: yeah, but i think no, in, a, a whole, in a way, way though it's, i mean it, the way in the
2: story that it is you're right it's totally like of course they're just going to use swastikas mm-hmm. and hitler and stuff but inserting like real live footage into and not just filling up the screen with it it's sort of in the background as a backdrop with the animation in front of it i that was creative to me i that was new that i hadn't seen before
0: I was just going to say that, like, thematically and even, like, the plot, like, when you watch this now, a lot of that stuff feels clunky and and messy, but I just keep trying to put myself in in the mind of, like, when this came out, you know, because this was before, like, fantasy and sci-fi were a big thing, and, like, I just... It it almost seems like if you were a fan of of fantasy and sci-fi in this time period, something like this was kind of like the best you got as far as like fantasy movies go and it is a little bit kind of uh inspiring in a way just because it's so out there that it's just like it doesn't it doesn't even need to justify itself like it's just just all these wacky ideas kind of thrown together and i mean i did kind of like the idea of like magic versus technology even though they don't really do too much with it um Kurt, you kind of mentioned how at the end he pulls out the gun. And I mean, I kind of just thought to me with all like the Hitler and the Nazi imagery, I was just kind of thinking it was like the justification for it was almost like the one side was like the peace loving side who don't want to fight back in a way. But in the end, when you're forced with someone like Hitler, you just have to pull out a gun and shoot him anyway. I don't know. Maybe I'm just
4: uh, it ties in with the Lord of the Rings thing, because once you've done that, a part of you dies and And it's funny how I don't think Wizards actually addresses that um, like he, he goes off with the with the with the big breasted woman and <laughs> forms his own country or something at the end I, the The movie doesn't really have the melancholy that something like Lord of the Rings has about you know once everyone has fought in a great war things really can't ever be the same. I mean, Wizards just sort of shrugs it off and, and moves on. But, I mean, again, it is and was conceived as a children's film. Uh, I'm not necessarily cutting it slack for it, but, I mean, if that was the filmmaker's intent, they're not going to, um, you know, you, how far do you go? And, and like you said, they're they're breaking their own ground in the fantasy realm, which very few people were were doing at the time. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, it does seem about the right time when Lord of the Rings, like Lord of the Rings was written in the, in the late 40s, but it really never got popular until hippie culture sort of adopted it. And um, Wizard seems to be the very tail end of that, so it just seems like a logical it seems to just come out of that.
0: Yeah. That like time. I kind of, I can but, kind of see how this movie would have influenced other things that came after. And I mean, uh, you mentioned how star Wars came out the same year and apparently there's some connections to star Wars as well, because I mean, Mark Hamill does a voice and apparently
4: 20th century Fox productions. Yeah. You know, apparently
0: and back, Backseat and Lucas knew each other. Um, and the
3: film was originally titled war wizards and Lucas asked Bakshi to change it to Wizards uh, so there wouldn't be confusion between the two, and Bakshi agreed because Lucas was kind enough to basically let Hamill act for free while he was filming Star Wars on on Wizards.
1: How kind of Lucas to to allow Hamill to act for free. (laughs) Well, (laughs) was
4: that... Because Mark Hamill's done a lot of voice work. I, I mean, he he's known for the Star Wars, but he's done a ton of voice yeah. work. And was was this movie his first voice acting credit? I believe so. It it's, w- be. it's definitely one of his earliest credits. It's really amusing because his character is so non-existent in the movie, and. I I saw Mark Hamill, and I'm like, well, who the heck even was he? I, I just totally, and, and I mean, the character that he plays is one of the elves that they meet, and what has he got? Like three lines, and he's killed. Like it, it's yeah. really not much of a role. Yeah, it's like how much real time? I, I don't know. Again, Backshe doesn't strike me as a guy that cuts anything out of his films. So how much really was well, he there for a day? It's
0: just funny because like at the time, I'm sure having Mark Hamill in your movie meant nothing, but. You know, like a year later, probably would have been a pretty big deal.
5: Did you guys laugh at all? I only laughed once when when they went to the the religious place and they had like the CBS and the Coca Cola sign. Other than that, I, I the humor was I didn't find it funny at all.
0: <laughs> I don't laugh. <laughs> That's true, you don't. I didn't laugh, but I I enjoyed the tone of the movie. I guess I would say.
4: That's where I am exactly where where Sean is. It, the tone makes you sort of feel comfortable, and, and it's not laugh out loud. And I actually found some of the the goofy guard stuff with the overdone voices to be uh, straining with my patience. But again, nothing in this movie lingers for longer than a few minutes, so it's really hard to be pissed off at it. It 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 pretty it, it goes it goes really fast. It's a pretty good light show and, and there's always something visually interesting on screen and it's changing tone so often um, that it yeah I I guess you can hate it for for being a mess but I don't know I, 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 I mean on the whole I, I rather enjoyed the movie and I would totally watch it again and, and I think that in its own it's a nice fusion of what seems to be like really ambitious and really lazy at the same time and just sort of mixed together. Like someone who's high and has all these great dreams and and they, they just talk a big game. That's kind of what Wizards is.
5: Hey, Matt. Yes. <laughs> can, you, can you describe uh, Weehawks' character without describing how he looks like?
3: Oh, God. Without describing how he looks like? I, I, I don't know. weehawk is kind He's of angry. angry. He's yeah.
5: angry. <laughs> it, that's how the, I felt the whole entire film. None of the characters, the character, the character development in this film, or I don't really care. I hated the main. I hated Avatar. What? <laughs> <laughs> <I'm a> douche.
0: Oh, <laughs> I, I thought awesome. you were talking about James <laughs> Cameron's Avatar.
5: <laughs> but he was like a boring douche. He wasn't like Robert Downey Jr., where he like made you laugh or anything. He was just. <laughs>
0: That's what's cool, man. He's a flawed yeah. hero. <laughs> <laughs> boring douche is in
5: <laughs> uh,
6: I't know I had to
4: describe Weehawk without like physically describing. I would just say that he's you know like muscles and come,
3: yeah he's kind of <laughs> like a cannonball he like, like
4: Sylvester Stallone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know back to the going back for a second to the Nazi thing and the Star Wars connection. I mean, one thing I really liked in the film is near the end when they start showing the footage of the tanks and whatnot, and there's some shots of um, World War II planes, and there's the one shot of where he's doing that. It's kind of like rotoscoping, but not really, where it's he's basically taking live-action footage and turning it into black and red, and there's one shot of some sort of creature standing on the wing of a plane and, like, turning around and his eyes glowing, and... That i that's the stuff I like. Like, that's the stuff in Lord of the Rings I loved, um, and that's the stuff I like in, in Fire and Ice. But I think it would have been, uh, I, I would have enjoyed it a little more if, if that was the, the Nazi connection, just the kind of visual hints towards the Third Reich and, and whatnot. And I think that's where Star Wars, you know, a connection there. I, I think George Lucas did it well in Star Wars with the costuming of the Empire and and kind of just, Subtly, well, maybe not so subtly, suggesting the Nazis with with the Empire.
0: Yeah, that's true. Without I mean,
1: having Darth Vader projecting footage of Hitler and being like, <laughs> "This is where we got the idea for our costumes."
0: Well, it's it's funny because w- w- when I think about it, like I don't see Star Wars and Wizards as being that far off. Like it's a, they're kind of come out of the same time period where they have all these kind of guys who are dreaming up these cool fantasy worlds and throwing them out there at movie studios. And, I mean, Lucas obviously had a more more coherent story and some more interesting characters and stuff, but um, they're not that far removed, I don't think. It's just, you know, clearly one got picked up and and became, you know, pretty much the biggest movie franchise ever. And, um, you know, one was just became a cult classic that's kind of forgotten now.
3: Well, I definitely think Lucas has a much more refined and calculating style than Bakshi. I mean, Bakshi is pretty much, you know, a a fuck it, we'll do it live kind of filmmaker (laughs) where he just throws it the fuck up there and let's see what works. I mean, that's really, really his kind of style. And, you know, he, he is he is all, you know, it's all visceral. Let's get it up there and see and see what we can do and and get people agitated. And and Lucas is definitely not that he wants to. Please people, and, and you know, he they they have very different goals and what they're going for. I mean, Bakshi just wants to he wants to push people, and that that's what he's trying to do in Wizards. And you know, and, and a lot, you know, when I'm a kid, I, I thought this movie was funny as fucking hell. I remember rolling at certain stuff. I mean, as I'm older, yeah, I find it amusing, but there's other stuff in here that I never grasped as a kid that I grasp now, and I'm to me, that is something that's even, you know, very impressive about the film, that it it can still show me something new even when I'm watching it, you know, for the 15th time or whatever, 20 years or whenever it is after the first time I watched it. And there's just not a lot of movies, and especially not a
4: lot of children's movies, that do that. Yeah, it's also fun to play, like, particularly at the end. And again, if you listen to the commentary or the, the interview, he says that they didn't have the money to make the end battle, so they just went into the Fox archives and just started pulling (laughs) war footage and rotoscoping right over. And if you watch the credits of the movie, you'll see all the movies that, um, you know, where the footage came from triumph of the will actually is in there somewhere. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I I think that's, I can't think of too many movies that were doing that. I mean, yes, movies used stock footage. But they, they, they used stock footage. They didn't use other films, like shots from other films. Uh, I guess Blade Runner, the alternate cut a few years later, stole stuff from The Shining. But it's, I don't know how often that happened. Or But, I mean, it's really blatant in... Um, Bakshi invented the is, mashup. It is kind of like a mashup. Um, and, and he in also invented
3: of, rap. <laughs> Which is funny as well. But that's not that, a wizard's. That's in Coonskin. Uh, he invented, he essentially invented rap in Coonskin. And Coonskin's in the 60s? Uh, no, it was, it was the year before that he wrote it, where he, he had, uh, he wrote the opening song that's sung by uh, Scatman Crothers, and it's, it's essentially a rap, is what it is, and it's one of the first ones that's well, ever. Wasn't existed.
4: Scatman Crothers, like, more known as a musician than a actor? Anyway, and didn't he do rap stuff as well? Well, he did scatting.
1: <laughs> Just think of all these hip hop artists who don't realize that their music was invited, invented by a white animator in the yeah. '70s.
3: A curmudgeon-y Jew,
0: hippie, yeah.
5: <laughs> so, I think the big, oh, go
0: ahead. No, no, go ahead.
5: I think the biggest problem I have with the film is that the premise. Just looking at the premise, it sounds like so interesting about how it takes place after the apocalypse brought upon by technology and now there's magic and then technologies. And the, like, that premise is awesome. The execution of that premise let me down.
2: It's almost non-existent.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I mean, that is kind of a cool idea, but you never it's never like you're in a post-apocalyptic world. You're basically in a fantasy world.
4: Well again, it's a it's a bunch of guys a little bit stoned going, Wouldn't it be <laughs> fucking great? And and, and and that and then, you know, when they finally get down to brass tacks and actually make the movie, it doesn't quite all completely come together. But um yeah, and you wonder with Bakshi how much of it is artistic intent and how much of it is rationalization. I, I don't really know. I, I, I don't know how to
1: Well when in regards I, to the coherent you know style of his filmmaking i mean i i would i would say fire and ice is fairly coherent and even the lord of the rings i mean he uses
0: different techniques but it's not totally all over the place it's
1: Fritz the cat is consistent as well
0: i mean uh, some of those though i mean lord of the rings obviously he's following someone else's story i don't know about fire and ice i haven't seen it but
1: well fire and ice he's following someone else's Art style too, but I mean, he's still the filmmaker. Fritz the Cat, he's following someone else's material. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, I mean, that's like four films out of his filmography. So, it, yeah. Except
3: American Pop is very, you know, is is all over the place. Coonskin is, um, Wizards is. I mean, I'd say most of the movies that he wrote and directed are very similar to this, where they're aggressive and very scatter shot.
4: Scatter shot's a good word.
0: So I just want to bring up that um, apparently uh, there's been talk that there's a Wizards sequel on the way. Are you aware of this, Matt? Supposedly,
3: Wizards is part of a trilogy, but it was just never... See, totally
0: like Star Wars.
3: Totally. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure it was like, you know, and he's found a way to make it into nine films, and hopefully there'll be (laughs) some sort of... Frog creature that you know talks like a Jamaican, and actually
4: he
0: would in fit. Events right rap. In. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, I guess my question about that would be like, what the heck would a wizard sequel look like nowadays? Like, will this ever happen? I, I, I just can't even.
4: Yeah. I thought the whole s- world killed Bakshi's will to make movies for anyone, didn't it? Like he was so yeah. disillusioned and angry, and I—I uh, I mean, yeah, he got like, fucked on. The yeah. stuff that happens to Terry Gilliam uh, <laughs> is like you know, like is is like is like cupcakes compared to what hell he brought upon himself in the battle of cool world so yeah I don't, I, I don't know
3: if people know what the story of cool world but essentially cool world was originally going to be about a man a cartoonist who has sex with a cartoon and ha- and they have a baby that's half man and half cartoon and he abandons the baby and the baby comes to the real world to try and kill his dad unbeknownst to bakshi while he has already made this script and is already storyboarding it the son of the head of MGM or whoever, whatever studio it was, decides to just make his own script and write it, and the studio head decides to back that and basically threatens to sue Bakshi and take him for everything's worth if he does not make this movie. And then at that point, then they also force in Kim Basinger onto the project and a couple others, and Basinger at at that point was a fairly big-name star, so she starts... Also doing rewrites and it turns into one giant clusterfuck. And then and that was made in like '92 and back. She pretty much swore off making movies after that.
4: I would hope though, if he did do a wizard sequel or if someone did a wizard sequel, they would have the guts to to keep the collage, chaotic style and not, you know, make it a clean, clear movie. I. I
3: well, I he, think, yeah, he he mixes mediums in his in a lot of his movies. He does it in Cool World. He does it, in, you know, and he uses rotoscoping a lot. And I I would be really surprised if he didn't. I think, I, I I'd be I'd be fascinated to see a, a, a Ralph Bakshi film nowadays. I I would be really fascinated to see it. Um, I have no idea if it would feel the same as Wizards or if it would feel like a an actual honest to god sequel, but. I, I would, I would love to see another movie from him.
5: I would love to see another film, but for someone else to write it, and then he could do the animation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently, it's Main Street Pictures is the people who are making it, and it's part of a deal that was also uh, Seth MacFarlane's Cavalcade of Cartoon Comedy it was also part of the same deal or something. But he is ba- himself is involved. I don't know if he's directing it or what, but it was in two thousand and eight, so that's not that long ago. It's kind of I don't know just seems pretty strange to me that it's even a possibility, but I'll believe it when I see it, <laughs> yeah, me too. Not holding my breath yeah i'm
3: I'm not either. I would be stunned if if it ever shows up.
0: Um, all right, so um, any other thoughts on Wizards? Okay. <laughs> I guess not.
3: I, I guess I would make the argument, Wizards is a movie I think people should at least watch and kind of decide for yourself whether or not you like it. I th- I think it's really hard for a movie like Wizards to kind of go off what other people say. It's it's such a w- weird and interesting and and unique film. It's just... I just think people should really just give it a shot and see if hey maybe you may you might like it you might hate it it's it's certainly not a perfect film by any means there's there's all sorts of problems with it but like I said I'm, this is this is a movie I just think is awesome I I just have so much fun with it
2: I'm I'm almost inclined to agree with you Matt I I, I would have a real hard time recommending the movie but I see I kind of agree that I think somebody there's somebody out there that's really going to get a kick out of it but for me like I said the stuff that works it's awesome but unfortunately it's very few and far between and the rest of it I'm pretty much with Jay it's kind of boring and not interesting and I it just felt like a really long episode of He-Man and um, I, I didn't really enjoy it but I, it's almost worth recommending just for those Really cool, artful bits and interesting music, and just some moments of awesome animation and creative ideas in there.
4: I, I, on the whole, like the movie. I think it's really fun. At eighty minutes, it's hardly a a chore. I mean, it, it's 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 busy and interesting, and I think full of creativity, even if it isn't full of narrative coherence or you know, sort of consistent vision. But that was never the vision to begin with so I, I i enjoy it i i would certainly recommend it to people and, uh, and I, i'm i'm gonna sit down with my uh, son and watch it and see what he thinks of it
0: i think like in terms of uh if, if you're interested in animation too like it is just interesting to look at this almost kind of in a historical context as far as animated films go and stuff because i mean Before you got to the point where you had the Pixars and stuff kind of dominating nowadays, like this was kind of, uh, I guess it was a limited release, but it was still, like you guys said, a fairly successful animated feature back in the day. So, um, yeah,
4: everything, everything was a limited release. Everything was platformed at that time. So,
0: right. So, yeah, but I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I don't, I don't know if we'll be watching it again anytime soon, but it was all right. I like the poster. The poster is pretty awesome. It is a good poster.
3: The, the poster, it is one of my all-time favorite posters.
1: And the font really, on the poster. <laughs>
5: and really the use of it.
1: negative... Sp- no, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead.
5: One more time. <laughs> yeah, I will only really recommend this film to people who really like animation and or people who do psychedelic drugs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's true we forgot about that subsection of the population yes
1: I think they should have taken the nipples off the woman in this film and and donated them to uh, Grave of the Fireflies <laughs> and put them on the kid good call because that kid didn't have any nipples the when he five took his year
3: old or the, or the no the,
1: the boy
3: I think and they should have put them on the five year old Yeah, who's laughing now chill
1: <laughs> It would be a good scene. Some sort of weird surgery with the I am playing in the background as the nipples are transplanted.
0: It's actually kind of what I expected from an anime film, to be honest.
5: (laughs) It's like it's practically a cliche at this point. I'm
4: I'm disappointed in your lack of creativity.
0: All right. Well, I guess that wraps up our discussion of Wizards. And, um, of course, we want to invite you guys to head over to MovieClubPodcast.com and let us know your thoughts on both uh, Grave of the Fireflies and Wizards. And looking ahead to the next episode of the Movie Club Podcast, uh, it looks like uh, Takashi Mikae's Visitor Q is uh, the poll winner with 26% of the votes. So uh, we're going to pair that up with Irreversible, and uh, it's going to be a fun one, I think.
4: <laughs> yeah, another, another feel-good episode coming up. On yeah. Episode. Yeah, it's a c- cinema of cinema of visual trauma. I should say, though, I, I think it was Omar's uh, pick, uh, Visitor Q. Just go to the—whether you're familiar with Mike or, or familiar with Visitor Q as a movie, um, go to the IMDb and just click the keywords— on Visitor Q and just read the list of keywords in the movie and <laughs> there's no way that you would not want to watch Visitor Q after reading its list of keywords
0: I don't know about
3: that <laughs> transplanted nipples in the keywords
4: I believe it is
3: nice
0: <laughs> so um I guess any other, uh, anybody want to plug any websites or anything like that? I mean, all our sites are in the sidebar of movieclubpodcast.com, but, uh, I'm thinking specifically Anthony, do you have, uh, any, anywhere people can go to check out any of your thoughts on movies?
5: Nope. I just want to say hi to Hendrick. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. The whole reason for Anthony to come Uh on to the show.
1: (laughs) I'd like to drop a little plug. Um, for one of my websites, jcheel.com. Just go there, and, and we've got a great selection of uh, handmade purses and jewelry and um, pretty much anything that you need fashion wise, you can find at www.jcheel.com.
0: Great. Um, so also, don't forget to vote for the poll for the next episode, um, which I guess would be what episode number. 21 this is 19 yeah so uh so yeah so that'll be up in the next uh well by the time you hear this podcast it'll be up on the site so i guess that's about it uh thanks everyone for listening and uh we'll see you next time right here on the movie club podcast